0: Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. You know, this week in Come, Follow Me, we've studied John 17, and that chapter for me is one of the most important chapters in all of sacred writing. Why? This is the chapter where Jesus is praying just before entering the Garden of Gethsemane. But instead of praying for himself and the unimaginable task that lay ahead of him, who does he pray for? For his disciples and for us all those who have taken his name upon them and followed him. His disciples are the children of the covenant, as we are because we have believed in him and made sacred covenants. Last year, my wife, Lolly, our five children, and their spouses had the privilege of visiting the Garden of Gethsemane. The olive trees still grace the valley where Jesus suffered for us on that fateful night. There is an unmistakable serenity about Gethsemane. A valley right next to Jerusalem, protected and secluded. No horns honking, no crowds, just a sacred stillness. It was easy for us to imagine the Savior kneeling beside one of the gnarled olive trees that still grow there, undisturbed. We could envision him offering that great intercessory prayer shortly before he was betrayed, judged, and crucified for us. Intercessory means on behalf of another. In this case, Jesus was praying for each of us on our behalf. Here he was facing certain punishment and death, not thinking of his own pain or suffering, but rather thinking of us, each one of us. What did he pray for specifically? He was praying that we would be able to resist the temptations of the world, that we would be purified. But for me, the most powerful words he spoke during that prayer focused on oneness, that we might become one with him and his Father and with each other. His plea might be seen as the most important plea in the history of humankind, oneness. This is why it is called the atonement, the quality of being one with God and with each other. In that prayer he said specifically, quote, That all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Without the truths of the restoration, without Joseph's first vision, we could not understand the meaning of these words recorded in the book of John. In this greatest of all prayers, the Lord was teaching us that we could become one as the Father and Son and Holy Ghost are one. One in purpose, one in mission, one in desire, one in action. Think of it. What amazing words these are. The Lord was helping us see that even though God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ are separate beings with bodies of flesh and bone, they can still be one. But then the Savior goes even further. He prays not only that we can be one with Him and His Father, but that we might become one with each other, and feel the infinite love of the Father. In verse 22 it says, "...and the glory which Thou gavest Me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and Thou in Me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent Me, and hast loved them, as Thou hast loved Me." Without the atonement, oneness would be impossible. Without the atonement, oneness would be impossible real oneness in a marriage or in a family or with friends, the kind of oneness that Christ prayed for in that great intercessory prayer, can come only when we accept His atonement. Because real oneness cannot come unless we feel God's love for us and for all of His children. So here's the question I ask myself and all of us. How can we fulfill Christ's prayer? How can we become one with God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ? And how can we become one with each other? If we can do these two things, we will partake fully of the atonement. How can we become one with our spouse, our children, our friends? When a commentator asked President Hinckley to name the Prophet Joseph's greatest contribution, without hesitation, President Hinckley responded, he taught us the true nature of God." Knowing the true nature of the Godhead, understanding that they are three separate beings, but that they can still be one with each other, is the most important truth we can comprehend. Because only when we know God and His Son, Jesus Christ, can we begin to build upon their example to become one with them and with others. Let's review the end of verse 23. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. There is a powerful relationship between loving one another and experiencing the love of God. This part of Christ's prayer teaches us that God the Father loves us every bit as much as He loves His only begotten Son, His beloved Son. But we cannot feel God's love if we are at odds with our spouse, with a brother or sister, or with a friend. The more we become one with each other, the more we can feel God's love. And the more we feel God's love, the more we can express that love to everyone around us. Oneness is all about love. It's about understanding one another so well that we come to love one another. This principle is easy to see in families. What is a dysfunctional family? A family at odds with one another. What is a healthy eternal family? A family where everyone's actions, husband to wife, parent to child, sibling to sibling, child to parent, are motivated by love. In this way, love just keeps growing, and oneness increases. Becoming one with God and one with each other is a lifelong process. It really has no beginning and no end. But the simple act of trying to be one, growing closer to God and to others, changes us we become more open to differing points of view our capacity to experience others grief and joy expands so we keep trying we keep forgiving we let go of the past and let the future fill us with hope to become one with each other we try to see things through their eyes instead of our own we ask questions when we don't understand We accept whatever the other person can offer without judging them. The covenant path is a path that leads to oneness. Making and keeping covenants ties us to God and to each other. Without covenants, we are cast adrift in a sea of turbulence, confusion, and self-centeredness. In my own life, I want to respond to the prayer that Jesus uttered in the final moments of his life. I want to learn more about what it means to be one with them as he said, I in them and thou in me. I want to learn more about how I can be one with my family members and friends as he prayed that all may be perfect in one. I know I will be working on this my whole life, but I also know that the Savior came to earth for this express purpose, to help us learn how to become one. And I also know that he has the power through his love and his grace to help us achieve oneness. I hope this is helpful, and we look forward to being with you next time.